welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through their industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And joining us live from Brooklyn, New York, USA, is Katrina Purcell, strategy and operations leader, and she is now running her own consulting firm with early to mid-stage tech companies on efficient growth metrics. Welcome to the show, Katrina. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. You are welcome to the show. You are welcome to India through this online medium. <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of people will benefit from your insights into this. And not just in India, but a lot of people across the globe, especially young professionals, women in tech, and a lot of people in other industries. So, Katrina, to understand from you, why are you pushing so much about, you know, empowering women into the tech space, changing the game in the industry? So I think it it's sort of a matter of happenstance. Um, you know, I went into media originally in my career. My dad wanted me to be an engineer, but we don't always listen to our parents. Uh, so I went into media instead. Um, and But on the technical side of media, and I really enjoyed technology. I, I loved figuring out how things work. Um, I like to play with, with um, new things that we would get in the studio. Um, my dad was probably right. I should have been an engineer, but that time <laughs> that ship has sailed. Um, and as I was doing it, I felt I was always the only woman. I was the only one. Um, and oftentimes that meant having to really prove myself to get some respect, or it meant um, being a little lonely. Um, and as I've grown in my career, it's been so important to me that as other women have entered into the field to really make sure they feel welcome, that they can see a leader, that they can see someone that they can aspire to be. Because unless you see something, sometimes it's hard to imagine that you could actually do it. Right, right. Indeed, it is so much necessary uh, for uh, that much of empowerment, that much of support, especially for women in tech. Because I just, you know, a few minutes before the show, uh, I just thought of it, why not look at the statistics for women in tech? And very quickly, I will not be able to share the uh, uh, share the uh, source where I exactly, but this came up on top of Google. So people, uh, in, in that backdrop, let me share what I read. It says that, you know, that women in tech in 2023 is 32%. In 1984, it was... 35%. It has dropped. Can you believe it? And I thought we were doing uh, doing much, much, we should be much, much ahead. So maybe this is the caveat is the disclaimer is, please do check these numbers. But this is what I got on top of my Google search. But this is, this is if this is 100% correct, then this is something, you know, your efforts are actually in the right direction at the right time. And especially on the leadership role side, uh, it, it is 28% in 2023. And I thought we are just growing in even in that direction. So a lot of things needs to be done. And the alarming figure was that 50% of women leave roles in tech, including leadership roles by the age of 35. How do you see these figures? As I said, the caveat is I am not 100% sure how true are they. Otherwise, I would have been able to tell. But these are the latest figures that Google has thrown up, no better person than Google at the moment. <laughs> so help us understand, how do you see these figures? How do you see your efforts in the backdrop of these figures? 
So I do think directionally they're very correct. Um, and I think women are leaving the workforce as a result of the, the pandemic really drove a lot of women out of the workforce because there's an imbalance of who has to take care of the home responsibilities, right? Children couldn't necessarily go to school. They were home. They, someone needed to watch them. Um, and oftentimes uh, you'll find that just in the natural way of life, women are the ones who take on those responsibilities. The child is sick or they need to be you know, picked up from school. They need to be taken to daycare. Um, and you are seeing, uh, at least in the US, especially in New York, a, a shift, right? Where men are picking up more of that burden, um, but it still does fall pretty heavily on women, which means that their careers have to be more flexible. And when you have employers that are requiring five days a week in the office or requiring certain hours, um, you know, that makes it more difficult for women to have the flexibility that they need to ensure that they can do a good job at both their work and their home life. And, you know, I, I think there's no real sense of balance, but there should be a sense of harmony. I was at a Women in Tech talk on Monday and a woman talked a lot about the sense of harmony, really creating. And at some point you're going to be focused a lot more on your career. And I think that's why you're seeing more women up until 35. And then at some point you're going to probably focus a bit more on your family. And that's when those women are dropping off. And the real thing that companies have to figure out is how do we keep those women in the game? How do we keep them coming to work? How do we keep them advancing in their careers while providing the support that they need to also raise families? Right, right, Katrina. So now you are advancing, dedicated to advancing women in technology, and you are working mainly with you know mid-stage tech companies on efficient growth and scaling. Help us understand how exactly are you doing this? A lot of women will be watching this, listening to this, and trying to understand how exactly they too can get started, even if you are not there to handhold them. But your suggestions, your insights, your direction will certainly leave them, you know, a lot of cues to move forward in tech. Right. So I think the number one important thing is that you can be a, women, a woman in tech without actually being an engineer. Um, you can work in the tech field, you can work for tech companies without actually being a hands-on keyboard engineer creating code. So just because you're not an engineer, you shouldn't think of yourself not as a woman in tech. Uh, and what I'm doing through my consulting firm is actually working with female-founded companies. And so my goal is really to start to bridge the gap. Um, the numbers that you mentioned around women in tech are sad, but the the numbers around women getting funding in tech are even worse. Um, and you know, when you think about not only women, but also minorities, it's, it's terrible in the US in terms of the companies that are getting funding. And the sad part there is that it just becomes a lot of the same companies are getting funding. It's part of a club or a clique. Um, and one thing that I think that we as women need to do is create our own clubs and our own cliques. Um, you know, it, it, things might be happening on the golf course, but we can also make things happen for us in situations where we are. And so the biggest thing is creating a network. Um, you can start small. It doesn't have to be a huge network. It doesn't have to be someone who's the CEO of a company in your network. You can start grassroots. Um, I'm part of a few in New York City that are, are just getting off the ground. And it's so inspiring to be around other women who are at all stages of their career, listen to the challenges they're having, uh, and be able to provide either guidance or ask questions. Have you thought about this? What about that? Finding a good mentor is key. Um, and then for me, I think it was forging my own path. So not having a, a career ladder that I was going to climb. 
uh, you know, starting my own consulting firm was definitely a bit outside the norm um, in terms of, of career path, uh, you know, within my family. Uh, my parents both worked for the U.S. government for a long time. And so, um, you know, my, I said, I'm going to start my own company. And my parents kind of said, what? <laughs> um, and they've been super supportive, but it's, it's partially sometimes you have to kind of break out of the paths that you know and see around you and, and really, you know, try something new. And if it fails, it fails, but you've learned something. And I think, you know, for women, redefining that relationship with failure is really key to empowering ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. To understand from you, uh, Katrina, because now you are full pleasant into consulting. So I'll come to your company, you know, to understand that part. But what are the practical challenges that women face in their career in tech, uh, in tech companies or even in a wider level, being a person in tech. What is it and how they can tackle with this? You told about that you don't need to be an engineer. That is the qualification part. But what are about those who are already in that in this particular line, but are facing challenges? And, and as I said about those figures that by the age of 35, 50% of them are out uh, in, into some other field or what for whatever reasons. I think it's because we get tired. We get tired of having to constantly it fight. Is not, it is not true. You, women are very, very strong. And they, they actually, you know, this is also a scientific fact. If I may use that, I don't know how to put it. But that, you have to explain then that. Yeah, so I think, um, you know, a lot of the women in tech events I go to, people say, well, I'm just tired of constantly having to prove myself. I'm tired of constantly okay. having to to do 150% just to be, you know, recognized. I'm, okay. And, you know, you want to blaze the trail. You want to make the world better. You want to have that 1% or 2% difference. Um, but I think sometimes you feel like we should be making more progress than we are. Um, and I do think the pandemic really slid things back a bit. I think we were, we were making a lot more progress prior to that. And I think now we're you know, we're, we're trying to dig out of that hole um, that the pandemic created. But I think in general, what I would say is really the self-confidence. And so imposter syndrome is very big with women. And, and just for some of your listeners who may not know what that is, it's, it's sort of this feeling of that you're going to be found out, that, that you internally don't have the confidence in your skills, or you internally don't have the confidence that you know what you're doing. And, and I think that that takes a large toll on women. And, you know, you're not going to make it go away entirely. I struggle with it constantly, but it's partially creating frameworks around you, creating that network around you, having a supportive spouse, having supportive family who's going to say, no, you're doing a great job. You know this. You're, you're, you're amazing. Having those cheerleaders in your life um, so that when you do run into a situation where maybe you're not taken seriously or maybe you're called names, or maybe you're not given the project that you deserve to have, that you have the guts and the confidence to, to step up and say, no, I deserve this. Um, and really owning your space. Um, there are oftentimes, I have a friend who, who gave me this advice. She said, walk into the room like you're just a mediocre white guy. She said, you'll have all the confidence in the world. It just, you know, women, we tend to kind of say, oh, you know, we make ourselves small. We want to have all the skills before we even apply for a job. Whereas men tend to say, well, I could do most of that. So I'll just apply. And, you know, we need to have that level of confidence. Um, and I think creating that network helps to do that. 
that's an interesting point you made, which I, you know, where, where halfway I tried, I cut it, but the full thing was that they get tired uh, of proving themselves. And that's that's the full sentence. You know, they mm -hmm. don't get tired, but they get tired for, of proving themselves. Why is it that they need to prove themselves again and again? And to whom do they need to prove again and again? Because they have already, they have been working in the tech industry since long long time back so who is it that is demanding them to prove themselves again is it is it a is is it some uh that has created the, something and they want them to prove uh prove to them or is it that it is just like that the nature of the industry is such and if the nature of the industry is such why don't you stick to your to your position and fight it out defend your turf and own that space how does to help us understand this? What would you like to tell women uh, to those women who are, who get tired of proving themselves? Yeah, I think um, I think there are certain companies that are have much better atmospheres, right? Where you don't have to constantly prove yourself. Where you can come in, you do it once, and then everyone knows that you know what you're doing. Um, and I've been very lucky in my career to be in environments where that is the case, um, where you work on one project and you're able to hold your own, you're able to ask the right questions, you're able to, um, you know, get the level of respect and then hold on to that and not lose it. Um, but I think there are certain environments where where things are very cutthroat and where, um, you know, teams are not designed to necessarily be helping each other. They're designed to only one person gets promoted. And so it becomes a race and it becomes a way to make yourself look better than the person next to you. And I think that as a whole, um, younger generations are sort of fighting back against that mentality. They don't like it. Um, you know, women want to feel passionate about where they're going to work. They want to like the people they work with. They want to feel like they're making a difference. They want to feel like they're contributing. Um, and so I think you're going to see a lot of shift in how companies talk about their mission and how companies talk about their teams and how they reward their teams. Um, because this mentality of only one person can get ahead or only one person can succeed, um, you know, just isn't going to work in, in today's work environments. Right, right. Now, let's come to your consulting firm. How, how is it, uh, what exactly does it do in, for the, so that audience can understand? And also women and, and other companies also, they can connect with you uh, after understanding what exactly you are. And how are you changing this whole game about women in tech? Because this is such a nice thing, as I said, in the backdrop of the numbers that I just talked about, you know, uh, may your tribe increase. That's all I can say. Yeah, <laughs> I think, um, so I'll start with my consulting firm. And so Oftentimes, companies in very early stages may not have enough money to have a full-time chief operating officer. Um, and typically, the chief operating officer is really dealing with how the company operates internally. So how are departments working together? How are they measuring success? Um, how are they setting a strategy, a five-year strategy, a three-year strategy? And so oftentimes, what I'll do is what's called a fractional COO. Uh, and so that's for companies where I don't want someone full-time or I can't afford someone full-time, but I need the skill set. And so I will do it on a, on a fractional basis, which is not exactly part-time, but it's, it's either project-based or it's, it's a constant sort of monthly uh, interaction with the, the CEO and his executive team or her executive team. 
Um, and then I also do fundraising consulting. So right now the fundraising market in, in the US in particular has really been what I would call somewhat depressed. Um, you know, valuations are not as high as they were and you're not really getting a valuation based now on your vision and, and your growth at all costs. You actually have to have efficient growth. And that's something that a lot of founders haven't had to do if they started their company in the last three or four years. Um, and so what I do is work on operational process design to ensure that you're growing, but you're growing effectively, that you're scaling, that you're not just throwing people at problems, that you're thinking about how should your organization be set up? What should your uh, roles and responsibilities look like? And that also comes at what does your exec team look like? And are you getting free ideas? Are you getting ideas from multiple people from different viewpoints? And what does that diversity look like? And it's not really just about women, in my opinion. It's about really creating a better ecosystem. It's about creating better ideas. It's about delivering better products and better services by having those extra voices in the room. Um, and so I think you know, we can say, oh, we just need to get to a percentage of women. I don't necessarily think it's a, it's a percentage. It's probably not 50-50, but I do think it's important that, you know, women are making products because we have different problems. We, we look at the world differently. We experience the world differently. And the way we approach something might be very different than how a white guy would approach it. And so I think that we, we would probably... And to be fair, in the U.S., we actually spend most of the money for families, right? We are the consumers. We are the people who are purchasing these services and these products. And we, we deserve to have them fit our needs, not a standard, uh, a standard need set by someone else. Right, right. Whatever the situation right now, Katrina, I am very hopeful, optimistic that this situation is going to change. There will be much more... Uh, Equitable distribution of work in the tech industry, especially for women. And, and and not because that women has to just come in, but because women can bring in so much strength to this industry like, and like any other industry. And that no industry should be deprived of. That's what people need to understand. So whatever the case may be, I, I leave uh, with uh, uh, this particular episode in the hope that the situation will be much, much better. In terms of a lot of people who want to connect with you to get your, to know more about you, about your company, and to also engage with you professionally, what's the best way to do that? Sure, so I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me uh, pretty easily. And then uh, my website is katrinapurcell.com. And on there, you have a link. You can actually set up time. Um, I love to mentor. So if there are women listening to your podcast that would love to have a conversation, they can reach out uh, through my website and we can set up some time to talk about their career path and what their goals are. And um, I love to provide support for, for other women who are uh, trying to make it in the, in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. On this positive note, it's a wrap on this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live. Thank you so much indeed for joining us. Thank you.